This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. We spoke last time about the relationship of Jews and Goyim. Part of going out to the big world is meeting other people, and um, people we becomes more... Uh, it becomes more of an acute issue, uh, who they are, how we relate to them, and so on. Um, the next one, logically, would be to discuss the different other movements in, within Judaism, Reform, Conservative, Zionism, Reconstruction, etc., etc., the attitudes, the reasons, and so on. I, I want to speak about something else, uh, being that this is kind of a live series, so things that happen and come up, um, I do feel, I guess, uh, it, I, uh, I don't know, not, not the word entitled, but I feel sometimes that I ought to speak about things as they happen, um, as they pertain to us. Um, less, I just, so there were two issues, two things that came up recently, and one of them pertains to something that we specifically, um, that I was specifically asked to speak about, and one of them is a topic that we've done before, but it's just fascinating. Uh, a young man came to me last night. Uh, he was brought by Rabbi Karevsky from University of Maryland, a very, very sweet boy, in conservative type of background, uh, positive about Judaism in general, minimal education, and to supplement his Jewish education, he's been taking uh, Judaic studies at the University of Maryland uh, in an effort to help understand Yiddishkeit better. The professor who he told me he's a very, very learned woman who really knows her stuff, has instead been basically um, taking shots at the Chumash and showing all the loopholes and showing how <coughs> it obviously was patched together from a lot of different documents, etc., etc., and therefore it's, um, it's riddled with internal contradictions, repetitions, uh, different ways of calling the same thing, and so on and so forth. So he asked me if I could help him. He said a lot of people in the class are a bit angry. And he asked me if I could help him with some of the things that he's pointed out that were made a very strong impression on him, and so on. I told him I'll try. I don't know. And he presented three issues, which I thought were fascinating. The first one he said is um, when God created man, he said, read the verse in Hebrew. It says, Adam, let us make men. Why, if we believe in one God, why would it say, let us make men? Obviously, it was edited at a time when there was still very strong polytheistic beliefs, and this was something that was done either to help people agree to it, people wouldn't accept just out the idea of one God, and so on. It was kind of stunning to me that um, there was no mention that this question has been around by all counts at least 2,000 years uh, in the Medrash and Rashi. I, in, and I, was, I, I said, did, did, did she mention there were other approaches? And I said, and said, no, this was a very obvious point that she found, and uh, which indicates the, um, the polytheistic era of the Jewish people, and it's sort of merging into monotheistic. Mm-hmm. So I um, so I showed him Rashi, and I told him Rashi 
addresses that issue, and Rashi is built on Chazal. It's, most Rashi is built on Chazal, this one also. This, that means that for 2,000 years this question had been there, and, uh, you know, it had been addressed. And Rashi says, it's there to teach us that there are herits that a person, even if he can do it himself, and if he's bigger, should consult the smaller person. And Rashi says, and even though the apikarsim will, even though the minim, it's nasimokam lirdas, but they'll be able to use it, the Torah still said, I'd rather take the risk and teach the herits, and, and rather than caution which is fascinating. I, you know, you hear somebody 2,000 years later using it, not even referring to it. I told him before we went further, I said, let me explain something to you. The Chumash itself is a, a, um, a very incomplete document. You're right. There are contradictions. There are petitions. There are holes there. There are bits and pieces missing. And that itself... I said, had it been the work of a human editor, the editor would be considered to be poor. It's a poorly edited work. If there was an editor, if there was this redactor, I said, a, 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 a not-too-bright college kid could do a lot better job in editing an intelligible and readable document. Um, I, I told him, it's like if you see, if you ever see these films, these slides that are meant to be 3D and you're supposed to see two of them, if you look at one of them, it's, it's strange. It doesn't quite look right. Uh, hazy. If you look at these <coughs> movies that are supposed to be 3D movies without those glasses, they look fuzzy. And when you put the glasses on, it comes in, into perspective. I said, it's exactly what the Torah is. Reading it as a literal document, not, a, not understanding the second half to it, will give you a picture of mediocrity and uh, redundancy and... Uh, and, and contradiction, and, and, and I, I, I couldn't even say there was an editor. I would say just slop together. Doesn't, doesn't, you know, it's too many glaring pieces. The second thing he asked me was, well, look at the first two chapters of Genesis. The first chapter has a very structured chronological order of creation, and then, and it's first comes, uh, you know, the, the heavens, and then comes the, the waters, and then comes the, the light, the water, etc. And then in the second chapter, it starts with uh, really everything being around man, and you know it's, it's sort of worth three backwards. It's man, and then he he brings out the animals, and and then he puts in a garden for the sake of man, and so on. Um, so I told him, well, let's um, let's uh, let's imagine a person is watching a documentary, and there are two. There are two little, there are, in this documentary, we have two, um, not the word is shots, but two pieces. The first one, you're training a camera on the ground. You're training a camera on a, on a city block. And the militia crew comes, raises all the buildings. A while later, uh, a crew comes and digs big holes. And then uh, a while later, somebody puts up a building. And at the end of that clip, you have... 20,000 people coming into a housing complex and living in these buildings. Which, by the way, is something that I witnessed. I lived across the street from a huge housing project in New York when I was a little kid, and I would watch them day after day raising city blocks on city blocks, digging, building. It, was, it kept us occupied for years until we actually moved into, into those buildings. Now, in the same documentary, there's a second clip 
and there's a fellow standing with a committee, housing committee, whatever committee you want, and he's, and, he, and he's presenting a vision of a whole city with 20,000 people living in decent conditions and, and, and parks and commuting to jobs and a whole thing. And people raise questions. Well, you know, how are you going to have enough land for it? Oh, we're, we're going to raise this and raise that. How are we going to get electricity and water? We'll have to extend the pipes. How are we going to get the subways and the rail, etc.? And he would be seeing the same thing backwards. Now, which is true? The answer is they're both true, each one coming from a very different perspective. So if you look at the dry creation, well, it was light, you know, water, greenery, animals, and man. If you look at the committee, the Nas Adam committee, there's this vision of man who is really the purpose creation, and in order to have man, he needs a place to be, and that's the Gan Eden, and, and so on and so forth. So, I don't know, but those two chapters are perfect in perfect sync, and they're giving us two pictures of creation, and, they, and together they give us the real picture, creation as from the point of view of intention, creation from the point of view of implementation. Those are perfectly in sync. Then he asked me a third question, which I didn't have an answer to. So uh, he asked me in, in the story with Rivka and Eliezer, which is interesting enough this week's parsha. He says it says that Eliezer was told to find a girl from the family, from the Heim, as he said, and um, he went there. He made this test. She passed the test. He right away gave her a bunch of bracelets and stuff, and then um, he um, and. Uh, you know, and then he asked her who she is, and she said, oh, I'm a girl from that family, and he was very happy. When he tells over that story, um, he, he doesn't tell it over exactly that way. He says, I asked her, you know, she brought the water, and then I asked her who you are, and she said, I'm the soul's daughter, and said, oh, Mazel Tov, here's the jewelry and stuff like that. So how come, he changed, how come the story's changed? Um, so I told him, so I didn't know, and I took a look, and lo and behold, Rashi asked it. Shina Haseda, the, the, the order was changed, because, because before it says that he gave first, then he asked. He said because he kind of fudged it, Eliezer, because he was scared um, that Saul would ask him, hey, I mean, had you know that she was the girl you were looking for? Avram made a very important condition. His condition was that she be of the family. So um, the fact that, so, so Eliezer actually fudged it in order to do it. So th those are three points that he raised and he answered. I thanked him that it helped me realize, I, I said, I, I've been learning Chomish and Rashi since I was a small kid, and you don't even realize how it reads without Rashi, and, and Rashi, not only has his own, in his own right, but Rashi is representing Chazal and the Sora, and all of a sudden you realize there's a lot missing and so on. I, I once heard it described extremely picturesque by Reb Label Kellerman, he's the <coughs> person who wrote Permission to Believe, Permission to Receive, and so on, so I once heard him in one of his uh, lectures he said when he started becoming from in UCLA, I forgot exactly the circumstances that brought him, I just don't remember, but he said he got out, he went himself and bought a Bible, he, he told himself to read Hebrew, he learned how to read Hebrew, and he began to learn the Chumash, and he realized that the text was very corrupted. There were a lot of grammatical mistakes, there were a lot of inconsistencies and holes, and he figured the university has a very poor edition of it, and he, you know, and um, he couldn't find any edition that really um, had it correct. And then, I don't know, he happened to be on Rashi, and he realized that Rashi seemed to have thought of every question that he would have.
but it's it, it's very it's it's important to realize that Torah stands only with the two together. Um, without that, as a literal document, without any explanation to it, it really is 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 it's, it's noticeably missing and 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 sloppy and so on. And and for us, it reaffirms the two. And it also, I found it amazing that a woman who's a professor in college, she's an older person, she's not a youngster, she's somebody who's really, you know, who knows stuff, wouldn't even mention that for 2,000 years Jews have a tradition about it. She could knock it, she could say she doesn't like it, she doesn't believe it, or whatever it is, but not to, just to walk in, to present this material to college kids and say, I have found the indiscrepancies in the, indiscrepancies in the Bible and, and, and um, it's, you know, and... Uh, I've realized how wrong it is. It, it, I mean, it, it seemed to me a height of intellectual dishonesty or, or rank amorapsis. I told him, I said, either your professor is extraordinarily ignorant or extremely uh, dishonest. I, I don't have a problem to present and say, I think these answers are not right, I think they're apologetics, I think this, I think that. But not to present something when that the, this is a question that's been following us all along, you know, for, for the earliest recorded uh, memory of of of, of Kaleidos Torah, it, 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 I found it to be an extraordinary experience. That is one point. I just it happened last night, and I felt I'd like to share it, um, it because it touched on, on a bunch of things we've said before. I'd like to go to a completely different topic, which we have. This is built around a question that was asked on the sheet that I was given. The question was, why were the rabbis so, why are there so many um, chumris upon chumris about chumris and so on and so forth? Um, I want to also introduce you with a story uh, that happened, that I was a part of it, and therefore, um, uh, you know, it's always good when real life comes into play. Somebody spoke to me. A younger man, this is somebody who's a mentorer, learned in Shiva quite a few years. Um, I wouldn't say he personifies a liquid person in terms of, he's uh, not he's a man of the world, he's pleasant to interact with, he's, he's, he's uh, graceful, he has social graces, and uh, you know, very, very pleasant person. And recently has gone to work at a decent job, at a, at a professional job, a respectable professional job. And he spoke to me and he was very distressed. He said, an incident sort of or situation happened in the office, in the context of the office work, where had I not been scared of a picture of me in all the newspapers with a great word scandal on top of it with a big S, I don't know how far I would have gone. And like, how could it be? I, I mean, I've been in Shiva so many years, I'm from, I'm a Bentora, and Klum, none of it would have withstood the test, except for the fact that I'm a student of to realize the public humiliation. The job itself is a type of job of trust, and to be involved in some affair and, you know, in, in, and uh, would have actually um, blown up, and, you know, it, it would have ended my professional career, my, my marriage, and everything with it, and that's why the person at least had enough seichel to do it. And the person was sort of very shaken, uh, possibly like sort of uh, not believing himself anymore and so on. That was the situation. Now, there's a Gemara in Kedushin. 
Kedushim Pei Aleph. So even the people that kind of learn a lot of the Kiyas, and people don't get up to it. And, uh, you know, and that's why it's something that uh, may or may not even make it onto the radar screen. The, um, the Gemara goes through a... Uh, the, it, it's, it's the Agarata that deals with the issues of Yichud. So Chazal were Gozer Yichud, and, uh, you know, the Gemara brings a whole bunch of situations of Amaroyim that were involved that uh, were very, very, um, let's put it this way, they felt or they were on the verge of doing something very wrong. Now, the Chazal go through situations where um, it says that there was uh, Reb Amram Chasida. Chazal called this person Reb Amram Chasida. Reb Amram Tzadik. Uh, Chazal determined that. And they said that uh, he um, took a... Uh, uh, he had them sleep in a loft and there was this very, very heavy ladder that needed a few people to lift it and uh, he at night he took it away so nobody could go up at night he happened to notice one of the women there and he was so turned on he grabbed the ladder it said it would have needed a few people ten people would have been needed to carry it and he just picked it up and ran with it as he got halfway up he you know he he sort of caught himself and he started yelling fire fire and uh, people came running and they s- said, oh, you've embarrassed us. What, what embarrassing situation? I mean, you've been caught sort of uh, in a very compromising situation. And he said, well, I'd rather be humiliated in this world rather than you should be embarrassed with me from the world to come. Um, they, then they have mm-hmm. different stories of Adam Eroim where they were almost nichshal. It says that somebody would ask for um, that somebody should watch over him when he was near animals. Now, as a, just as a side remark, um, it, it's not as crazy as we think it is. Uh, I know from somebody who was involved a bit, and he told me people who work with livestock and don't have human contact for long periods of time, it becomes uh, an outlet for them, and it's, it's not uncommon. So uh, this is somebody who was... This I heard from somebody who worked once, this is many, many years ago, he worked with, with a Balchuva from the Colorado area, and this person was on a ranch, and he said, you know, it's, it's when you're away for long stretches of time, so an animal becomes a, um, a, a substitute, and so on. And the Gemara goes through a whole bunch of series of people that were, were doing a very so on. So the first, the first point is the human body is built with tremendous cohorts of taiva. Um, Freud was not all wrong when he said that this is the primary um, mover of a person. And these, these energies in this kohos drive a person. And a person should acknowledge it that nothing that he's done has killed it. It's, you know, it's, it's normal. And that's why Chazal, um, Chazal said that a person needs, th- there is almost no amount of shmirah enough on himself. The two broad shmiras are yichud. Now, don't 
stop at a step before. Don't ever be in a situation where the question is, should I, should I not? Um, Reb Chaim Shulevitz once put it very well. He said, it says that by Yosef HaTzadik, the, um, it, it was, um, it, 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 by, um, by Kriyas Yamsov, it says, Hayom Roa Vayonos, the Yam uh, saw Kaisel saw coming, they ran away. Chazal asked, what did they see that, w- that the, it ran away? So it says that Aronos um, Yosef Keneged the Vayonos Achutza. So Chaim asked, why was that schar for Vayonos Achutza? Vayonos Achutza seemed to be he avoided, he, he ran away from the test instead of facing it head on. Rabbi Chaim Shavit said, the test of Arias is not will you do it, won't you do it. The test is will you allow yourself to get into the situation or not. Because once you're in the situation, it's almost nothing you could do. Um, the the saying the, the, the is don't allow yourself to be in a situation where Arias is easy to come by. Yichud means that you're one step away from it being possible. Um, and after also Makran Yichud. The second thing is, Chazal said that you're not allowed to darshan shlom ha'isha. Um, now, in, in today's, in the translation of that, you could say, hello, how are you, how are things? There's a very sharp line between what's considered conventional, social um, nothingness, the type of stuff that you just say pro forma to everybody, oh, how are you? Oh, glad to hear, very nice, happy. No, that's today for us, that means nothing. The, there's an old joke that the definition of a nudnik is someone that you ask him how things are, and he actually tells you. Um, it's it's, it's uh, the, the polite, fine, good, and even in, in, a, in a workplace where you're working with somebody, as long as the conversation is focused on tachlis, tachlis, and that's that. It's also not, you know, a deep involved conversation on tachlis, like, you know, if you work on a case, you're working on a drawing or whatever it is, but the, 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 the conversations that lead to a deeper emotional connection and understanding of a person fall under that getter. So for a person to be involved and to ask, well, how are things going? I see you very stressed out. What's on your mind? What's on your heart? That's a big, big um, red line. Um, and that's, and, and, and it, it's, it's, men and women are built to connect emotionally, and uh, and and they draw each other, um, and that's 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 where we are. The, that's not a perversion. That's the way we're built to be. And the place to stop is before, before, not before. And that's why when Chazal put uh, different shmiras into place, Chazal understood human nature only too well. Human nature has not changed terribly a lot. Um, I don't think our, our taiva appetites have gotten smaller <coughs> from when Chazal came out. And same thing with all other areas, even the smaller areas, like Shabbos and Muks and stuff like that. Chazal looked at the basic human nature. They also, Chazal also, um, when you make a line, part, for instance, keeping the law is understood as being very important in law-abiding society. But if you were to tell a judge, I didn't think that the reason for the law applied in my case, even if the person is right, the counter logic would be, if you treat the law as an absolute, then it's binding and it has 
the power to keep society straight and in structure. If you don't do it that way, if you keep each time clearing a hakira, why did the why was this law legislated and for what reason does it apply to me? Then at the end of the day you will break everything. It, you can't the shmirah of Chazal lies in obeying it to the letter. Even if you say, well, it's not Nogea, first of all, you don't know, and secondly, even if it were true, but you've broken, you've breached the, f- you, you, you've breached the fence, and once you've breached it, everything else falls apart. So the, um, I know somebody, uh, uh, somebody at Talmud Chacham, who decided to play with fire, and, you know, he had a weakness for this stuff, and he started discarding Rabbanans because he felt that they were not justified and so on and so forth. And the, the person was a very, very bright person, actually, and a person who had issues, obviously. It was kind of a... And, it, you know, he, he, was, he was actually living with, with the Dorises and avoiding all the Rabbanans that were Begeda Shmira and Gzeir and so on and so forth. Um, he lived with a guy in an apartment, actually, and, uh, you know... Uh, kept his dishes and anything that was not at the end of the day is obviously he's gone completely but um, the 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 shmirah of Chazal is that it's absolute and this is uh, a certain and Chazal put and if it's not to get me today it'll be to get tomorrow and so on but especially in the other areas um, especially in Arias which is first of all today's generation it, it used to be that since society had a taboo on it it wasn't as easy to move forward with it. There was resistance on the other side. You were looked upon as scans and so on. Today, since society itself presents almost no restrictions on it, it's not socially taboo. Bear in mind that this person said his only thing kept him going was because since his profession was a kind of profession of trust, it would have been seen as a misuse of trust and so on, and it would have uh, let him down. But the fear of punishment um, is a very, very powerful deterrent. There is no fear of punishment, because most situations it's seen as being uh, okay, forgivable, um, certainly in the outside world. So the, um, the, we have a lot more, a lot bigger need to keep those smears. And the two big things, Hilchus Yichud, apply. And as much as a person can get out of situations, where he has to work in intimate relationship with a woman. There's another place, and I guess this is more of a practical point. Um, that it, it, there are two reasons why this is, why this situation comes up and creates issues. One is, it says, uh, I'll, I'll quote a Rashi by Yifastor. Um, it says that the, the reason why she has to sit 30 days in Mimis Abel is because he should see her benevolusa, how she looks down. She's sitting, her head disheveled, her nails not trimmed, crying and uh, depressed, and really kind of looking not not the best. And see his wife looking the best, and and hopefully that will dissuade him from being swayed by the fastor. The opposite happens to be true in um, in, in 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 workplace relationships versus home. Uh, your wife. Uh, any normal person at home, um, you know, is comfortable rather than attractive. Uh, the person doesn't want to walk around um, 
made up and, and, and dressed up. You, you want to be comfortable. You, all, you also want to be comfortable in your home and you, you want to wear slippers and you want to wear uh, whatever it is, something more casual. So the woman also wears like that and she's busy with the kids and busy with the cooking and you see a woman not at her best. When you go to the workplace, um, just like your wife when she goes to her workplace is dressed nicely and is smiling and is, and is, and is, and is certainly functioning, um, you, you see a woman who looks like that and the contrast sometimes becomes um, difficult to cope with. Even though Seichel says that this other woman, once she'll be home, would look the same exact thing. That's the way it is. People <laughs> have their, um, their appearance mode and their comfort mode. And when a woman's in a comfort mode and when your hair is, quote-unquote, let down, you, you, you yell, you scream, you, you know, that's, that's, you know you're, you're with the kids and all over the place and you're stressed out and so on. It's a problem. And, and recognize there's, there's no easy solution. I, I mean, Chazal have, you know, mentioned that the woman should, should be dressed always pleasantly and so on. So, but at the end of the day, there's reality there. So you will always be mushed by that. That's one element that's very important. And there's a second element, um, and this has a lot to do with human nature. Um, the world, there's an old Yiddish joke. I guess Yiddish jokes have a lot of uh, common sense wisdom. Somebody once came to a Rav, and he said, um, Rabbi, 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 it's a Yiddish joke. I want to get divorced. So he said, why? Um, so he starts hemming and hoeing, and the Rav says, tell me the truth, is there another woman involved? And he said, is there a different woman involved? And he said, yes, Rabbi. He said, is she nicer than your wife? I said, no. Is she wealthier, smarter than your wife? No. Is she prettier than your wife? No. So why, so why do you want to drop your wife and marry her? He said, because she's a different one. In other words, the, the, the mechanism of taiva, it's true, but taiva is achila also. Um, the, the, I, rem- I, I once heard from a woman, elderly woman, from Europe, she was one of the few girls in her town, in Kletsk, she actually grew up in Kletsk, who came from a well-to-do family. And her mother would bake cake and cookies, they'd be made with eggs and with cream and with sugar and with raisins and cold uh, of the tevusa. The other girls in the, in the, in the, in the, um, in, in the class uh, had cookies made out of flour, water, and sugar. And she would always come home and tell her mother, why don't you get a recipe from this this lady? They make such good cookies. And her mother would laugh. You know, her cookies had cream and sugar and eggs and, and everything good in it. And this other cookie was, was nothing, but it was different. You know, the, the new, the different, the, 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 is what tingles a person. It creates a, a sensation of expectation. It creates... Uh, a, a taiva. Th- that's the way we're built. Um, the familiar loses its taiva, and that's the, just like drugs. You, you, whatever, whatever dose that you become used to, you need something more and different to trip you up, to get you, to get you high. So the, 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 the woman at the office, if people always think that if they'll marry, one of the rationales I've heard is that people look for a very, very attractive wife, that will keep you away from harm. I assure you it doesn't. And I have a very simple raya. Uh, Hollywood people are supposed to be the most glamorous people. 
and uh, the most dissatisfied, I don't know if dissatisfied the marriage, I, I, maybe they're just kind of, sort of disposable marriages and they don't expect to be together more than a year or two, but the most glamorous people are married, have been married to eight, nine glamorous women and still, and still going strong. Um, I mean, those are official marriages, forget about everything else. There, there, there is no satisfying taiva. It's a, it, obviously somebody who's starved, somebody who's single, halacha, restricts from many, from many functions, many jobs. Um, obviously, um, some measure of satisfaction is very important, and you know, a, it, it's, it's something that you need to, it, it, you need to think about it, and you need to realize the reasonable satisfaction of a person. Um, it's something actually Rabbi Hoffa spoke about quite openly, and there was a canis of Tzniyas for men, and I'm standing, this, it's, it's an important part of the picture, yes. But no matter how satisfied, no matter how gorged you'll be on Taiva, and, and possibly even the more you're gorged, that is not a shmir. The shmir lies the many gdorim that Chazal gave us. Um, if a person goes towards literature, or I mean, today literature is, is I guess, as a euphemism for, for internet, um, that uh, excites and arouses a person. It pushes his expectations, and it makes him more desperate. The 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 the, the, the that Chazal gave us were shmiras on a practical level, so that if you if you move two, three, four steps back. So at least if you push one step, you know that there's a safety net to a safety net to a safety net. And understanding the processes that lie behind it, um, if, if a person, even if a person psychologically can say to himself, the reason why this woman seems so attractive to me is simply because she's not my wife. In, in the situations that my wife would be in, she would probably look a lot worse and be a lot worse. It's, 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 it's just a meaningless fantasy. It helps a lot when to dampen a person's enthusiasm when a person can reduce it. And a person doesn't let himself go emotionally past a certain line is also very important. Um, you know, you, you, so it's a, it's, it's a cordial, formal relationship. Um, and the, that's what it is. You know, it's, it's, it's formal, it's, it's, it's cordial, it's respectful, but um, it doesn't carry the elements of what schok is. And all, all those elements that Chazal pointed out, um, that lead to arias. Um, you know, it, it, it's not it's not to a person's shame. And that's why Chazal, I think, went through all these things, pointing out how very big people were, were nizher and, and, and uh, suspected themselves. It's, it's, um, it's not a shame. The shame lies in not watching yourself. It doesn't lie in what your taivas are. The taivas, your, your, your nature of taivas, Akash Baruch put in you. We don't have control over that. Um, and even, quote-unquote, even if a person thinks it's perverted, that's something to be ashamed of. That's kind of, that's the given. This is, this is, whatever it is, this is in me. My question is, what am I doing about it? If it needs to be treated, get it treated. If it needs shmiras more than anybody else, then make those shmiras. That's your avoda. Your avoda is not to ask why they have crazy tivus or such a strong tivus or whatever it is. So never be in a situation where you, where you come close to being compromised. It'd be two, three, four steps away from that. That's all. It's, 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 you know, it's, like, it's like anything that's dangerous, you put more and more safety nets around it and, and, and you keep away from it. The, um, the, 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 uh, the, the 
keeping just the basic halachas and understanding how to apply it is probably the best shmira in this area. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I don't know if it's, or it's, it's on topic because people have asked about it. Uh, it's not in the seder we went, but I just feel again. I, I have a feeling that when it's when when I'm involved in real life situation, it helps bring it home. It's one thing when you preach it as a as an abstract possibility. It's another thing when somebody who's very serious about Torah, a really good person, and a person who would actually be a very attractive person, a person I can understand people would gravitate to, um, kind of come up with these issues and face them very honestly. And I wanted to share it. Okay.